0: The Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live.
1: Crossover, step back. Ah!
0: That's a Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live.
2: Is this the dagger? great night to be a mountaineer
3: wherever you may be agent back to pass rush down the pocket throwing it downfield it's into the end zone oh, he got
0: it! here are your hosts jordan
3: nice warner luke wiggs and parker stone it is friday the 14th and you are tuned in to panhandle sports live broadcasting live from the hoppy kirchville building of jordan Nice warner parker and luke will be back on monday but Hope you've had a great week so far, and I hope your uh, your house, your, you know, anything around didn't get messed up in that kind of crazy pop-up storm we had yesterday. I was talking to some people here around the uh, radio station this morning, and they said they saw hail and, I mean, high winds and whatnot here in town where I live. I mean, it wasn't that bad. It was a pretty nasty little thunderstorm, but I don't think we got any hail and whatnot, so I hope you remembered to uh, put your... Porch furniture away, right? Get the cards in the in the uh in the garage if you got one, in case we did get a little bit of that hail. But uh, you can always get in touch with me. 304-263-4321 is the text line. You can tweet me at EP Sports Network and send me a message on there as well. Big day in the Tour de France. Bastille Day, it's their 4th of July, right? So all the uh, the Frenchies, as they are so uh, lovingly referred to, are out there just trying to go nuts. And they finish on the Grand Columbia today. So if you're looking for something to watch, probably around, oh, what? 11, 11.30, probably. There you go. Dirt on Peacock. But yesterday, there was a lot of uh, eyes on the Big 12 media day, especially here from the state of West Virginia because Neil Brown well, he had a lot to talk about, or he had a lot of questions. I'm sure, and a lot of those questions were about the Big 12 poll that came out, football poll, where West Virginia was uh, polled at dead last. And one of the uh, one of his reactions to one of the uh, interviewees asking him about that, well, was this.
4: Talk about that chip on your old shoulder is getting bigger after the release of the media poll. I mean, how do you see that in your players? That chip on their shoulder getting bigger? Well,
2: they're pissed off. You know, I mean, like you don't want to be you don't want to be picked there, right? And so there's some emotion there. Um, that's not how they view themselves. That's not we, how we view them in the building. And so, um, like I said, we talked about it, and, and now it's about you have two two things. You prove them right or you prove them wrong, and we're going to go about our business of proving them wrong.
3: Do you think West Virginia football can uh, prove? people wrong this year. I mean, I was looking at their schedule again and to start things off on the road on September 2nd in happy Valley against Penn state, who a lot of people, and as much as I hate to say this out loud, a lot of people are tagging them as potential national champions this year. And that's a tough way to start. Now, thankfully they go, uh, they get Duquesne at home following that. And then they also get Pitt after that. But if you look at it, it's Penn state, Duquesne Pitt, Texas tech, TCU. There's your first five games. And I mean, if you look back at Pitt's game last year, granted, they kind of threw that one away, right? So, I would hope they can beat Pitt. I sure hope they can beat Duquesne. Not sure about Penn State, but Texas Tech, TCU, I mean, this this schedule looks crazy. They go Texas Tech, TCU, Houston, Oklahoma State. Thankfully, they get BYU at home, so they don't got to go all the way out to uh, Utah for that one, but... What do you think? How do you think the uh, Mountaineer football team is going to fare this year? We've been talking a lot about Bob Huggins and the uh, basketball team, but what about the football team? And thankfully, our very own... Tony Caridi was down there at Big 12 Media Day, and we'll listen to his interview with Coach Brown.
2: Inside AT&T Stadium, Big 12 Media Day's Tony Caridi along with Neil Brown. He's fresh off the podium. You just gave your general press conference. You have been always very good at addressing topics before the actual questions start as to what you want to get off of your mind. And you began today with uh, West Virginia's placement in the preseason poll. Talk a little bit about, your thoughts on that and how you've dealt with that with the team. Uh, well, we dealt with it head on, you know, uh, we had a team meeting. I was on vacation uh, the week previous when it came out team meeting on Tuesday and we brought it up and we brought it up in a way that said, Hey, this is what's out here. This is lazy reporting. This is why it's lazy reporting. And this is why not only do I believe in myself, our staff, but also the systems we have in place. And most importantly, we believe in you, the player. And, and I started I went down a, a listed bi- probably a little more colorful, like I said, and a little more colorful in the team meeting. But if you look at we 132 starts on the offensive line. And if you're good on the offensive line, you got a chance to win a lot of football games. Our running back room's deep. We're gonna be really athletic at quarterback. I think we're gonna get the best quarterback we've had in, in play that we've had in five years. Uh, our receiver, group is remade but it's it's made in the fact that we've got size and experience and then we've got some speed and that's what we were really missing was the speed aspect on defensively we've got an all-league player at each level sean martin lee coba aubrey burks we went our, our weakness last year was in secondary we're very aware of that we went out and added two all-conference players and guys that have all started double-digit games and so that's going to be a much improved group and so and then our specialists i think we have the best long snapper in the country our punters got a chance to be an all-conference player and we use scholarships on returners and so the the feeling in our building is that we're going to be much better and the best way to deal with it is just address it right up front what was your sense that you got from the team as you were giving them the facts and the figures yeah this is a group that has confidence right and and the, there's a chip on our shoulder because of how we performed last year but there's also some confidence of how we finished you know Beating Oklahoma, beating Oklahoma State on the road, you know, and a lot of these guys that are returning are played leading roles in in those games, and so there is a confidence that this team has. There's a hunger that this team has, and what that poll did was that just made it. You know, I talked about it had a chip on her shoulder. That might be a rock now, you know. That's and and I think it's going to be a good thing in the long run, because I can tell you we had a we had a team run right after that, and. Guys were competing; and they were getting after it. What is the most pressing issue you want to resolve in August camp? Well, I think if you start this, but go by phase, is offensively, we've got to continue to work on our explosive pass game, and the quarterback position I think will clear up. You know, somebody will go win that job. That won't necessarily be a decision that I make. Either Garrett or Nico will go win that job. Um, we got to see who's going to be the most consistent at receiver. On defense, we've got to figure out what the rotation is going to be at D-line. We've got bodies, but who's made that jump from spring ball to fall camp? And then, you know, who's going to step up a will linebacker? You know, that's probably as big a question as we have in our program is who's going to step up and fill that role. We have several guys that are that are candidates for that. And then I'm looking forward to watching the, the secondary gel. You know, we're going to be much improved, not only with the transfers, but the guys that are here, Jacoby Spells and Andrew Wilson-Lamb and Marcus Floyd, those guys are going to be significantly better when we lace it up against Penn State compared to when we finished versus Oklahoma State. You know, it's a classic West Virginia setup. When West Virginians are told something they're not supposed to be able to do, normally good things happen. Yeah, we look forward to proving them wrong. You know, it's like we've said this a lot. You either prove them right or prove them wrong. And this is going to be a football team that is going to prove the media here in the Big 12 wrong in a lot of ways.
3: So what do you think of uh, old ball coach Neil Brown's words there at the Big 12 Media Day with our very own Tony Caridi? You can text me 304-263-4321. You can tweet me at EPSports Network. We got a text here saying, Brown the Clown. And boy, I've been, <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of Brown the Clown. Uh, tweets on Twitter uh, the last few days. But the texter says, Brown the Clown has got to get six wins and a bowl win. If he doesn't, I hope he has a realtor on speed dial along with a moving company. Not sure they can get there without some luck. And that was going to be my next question. I mean, how many, he he had the hottest of the hot seats in college football last year, right? I mean, to be honest, I thought he was going to get fired four different times last football season. And it all really started after that that, uh, Pitt loss to, you know, start the season. So how many wins does he need to get? I mean, or what is the, what's the line? Like, what's the law? What's the losses? I'm I'm just going to say that they're, as of right now, we don't know a lot about West Virginia football, right? Because that's such a gray area at the moment. But I would say right now, they probably don't beat Penn State, especially on the road. Now, if that's Penn State at at Morgantown, I think it's a different story. But on the road at Beaver Stadium, up at Happy Valley, I'm going to say that's a loss. And then I'm going to, Going to assume they beat Duquesne. I'm going to say they beat Pitt at home as well. But then you got Texas Tech, TCU, Houston, Oklahoma State. Bang, 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 bang. And I mean, quite honestly, I don't see many wins in those five games. Now, they got Cincinnati later in the season. They finish off on the road at Baylor. So what is the threshold for Neil Brown to keep his job? Is it like the Texter said, six wins and a bowl win? Or is it just to have a competitive football season this year? Text me, 304-263-4321. Tweet me, EP Sports Network. But uh, it was just, it was interesting. It was interesting to see how he reacted, how Coach Brown reacted to a lot of the uh, questions, which a lot of the questions were just, how do you feel about the media poll? And we'll listen to one more clip here. Uh, again, just Neil Brown reacting to another question about, well, the media poll. And I hope it's in the same thing.
2: This is why I disagree. And this is why... I... Uh, first of all, it starts with belief in our staff and belief in our players. And, and then how we finish will be the next thing. We beat Oklahoma, beat Oklahoma State on the road, winning two of our last three games. Offensively, this is going to be our best group. And then we have 132 starts returning on the offensive line, 132. If that's not most in the country, it's got to be close. And within that group, we've got four former freshman All-Americans. We've got three, uh, for sure, all-conference-type players. Two of them are here today with us. Zach Frazier, who's a two-time All-American, and then Doug Nestor. Um, we have a budding superstar at running back in C.J. Donaldson. And defensively, we're going to be one of the most improved units in the Big 12, if not in the country. And we have all-league-type players at each level. And those guys are here today. Sean Martin at defensive end. Lee Koba, who will be one of the leading tacklers in the conference this year, at Mike Linebacker, and then Aubrey Burks. Uh, it's safety, and all three of those guys are here, and we've added talented experience in the secondary through the transfer portal, and so, and then returning in the on special teams, we've got our kicker, and our long, our our punter, and our long snapper who, who are both two of the better ones in our league, and so, looking forward to proving proving everybody wrong on that on that front, and uh, we won't finish there.
3: So That's uh, Coach Neil Brown reacting uh, to a lot of the questions, which are really a lot of the same things, about his uh, thoughts on the Big 12 poll where the Mountaineers were picked to finish last. And, well, could this be a team? Could this be a Mountaineer team that surprises everybody? Like Caridi said there at the end of the interview clip we listened to a little uh, little bit ago, you know, when Mountaineers are told not to do something, <laughs> they go do it anyways. And, well, do you think that's potentially the case here for WVU? Football, at least. Now, don't get me started. On, uh, I'm going to be started on West Virginia basketball. We've talked about that enough this week. But who knows? I mean, this schedule, it's tough, man. This Big 12, there's no letting off. I think, well, I want to know who you think has the biggest pressure on them that come in this, um, on the team this year. Is it the quarterback who we don't know who's going to win that battle? Is it Lee Kobo on that defensive uh, side? Like you said, a Mike linebacker where he's going to have to control that defense. And, you know, it's one thing if you can score the points, but you got to make sure the team you're playing against doesn't score any points. And that was uh, an issue for West Virginia last year. So I think Lee Koba's got a lot of pressure on him. Of course, the quarterback, the running backs have to be able to do something this year as well. But it all settles down on old Neil Brown. They got 50 days, 11 hours, 41 minutes, and 25 seconds and counting until they hit the road and uh, take on the Penn State Nittany Lions up at Beaver Stadium. And it's nice to see a couple of these regional robberies come back this year. I mean, you got Penn State. Who remembers back? I mean, I wasn't around yet, but I've heard plenty of stories from, you know, my dad and different people uh, that were up in Morgantown. The last time West Virginia beat Penn State, I think Joe Paul was there, what was it, 83? You can text me if I'm wrong on that, 304 263 4321. But they, it was like a riot in Morgantown for that one. So it's nice to have that one back, and it's nice to see Cincinnati coming back. Although, hmm, with the Bob Huggins stuff, thankfully it's at home. All right. I, wasn't, I didn't look at it close enough. For some reason, I was thinking it was on the road at Cincinnati. I was going to say that might be a tough place to go into after old uh, Coach Huggins' comments a few months ago. But Cincinnati coming back around will be fun to see. UCF, new kids on the block. they got to go down to Orlando for that one. So that's not too bad on October 28th to get down to Orlando in some nice weather. But it's a tough schedule for the Mountaineers with a team that has a lot of question marks around it. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But you can text me your thoughts on West Virginia Mountaineer football. Over on our text line, 304 263 4321. You can tweet me at EP Sports Network. We'll be back after this on WPM and WCST. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. You can get in touch with me. You can text me, 304 263 4321. You can tweet me at EP Sports Network. We got a couple of texts here about Neil Brown. Got one saying Neil Brown will still be the coach for next year. Also, Ren is tired of hiring coaches and he hasn't even been there a year yet. I'm going to tell you, so we need a status check on Ren Baker, man, for sure. He's had a tough, tough start to a, uh, to a job. there as AD at WVU. I mean, it started off, I'm sure pretty, uh, pretty nice, pretty cushy, but then of course the Neil Brown uh, collapse, if you will, last year with the football team happened. Then, Fast forward to the hugging stuff, and oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we need a status check on old uh, Rem Baker here at some point, I think. But um, I I kind of agree with you, Texter, saying that he's good. Neil Brown's going to be around next year. But if he doesn't win, and I'm going to agree with the other Texter too, if he doesn't win at least, uh, what, he beats Duquesne, I think. I think they can get Tech. I think they can get Pitt, Texas Tech and Pitt. Oh, I think they can get UCF as well, so that's what, four. I think they can beat Cincinnati, five. Ay. And I'll throw, a, uh, I'll throw a kind of a weird game in there with BYU coming to Morgantown. So that, I think that can be their six. I think that can be their six wins, but potentially five, and maybe, maybe even four. <clears throat> Who knows? But now, again, I'm not hoping for a West Virginia downfall because, look, we love West Virginia football around here, but... You got to trust the climb and people have been trusting the climb and the climb. Well, the trust started to run out a fair amount there towards the end of uh, last football season. So uh, what are your thoughts on West Virginia football? Text me 304-263-4321 ahead of this upcoming season, but it's also hall of fame announcement time and shepherd athletics, their hall of fame. They announced their fantastic four for this upcoming uh, hall of fame class. Football player, Ricky Smith, From 2007, Nathan Minnick, baseball player, graduated in 2012. Uh, Jamie Ritchie, an 06 graduate of men's soccer. And then longtime assistant football coach Josh Klein are going to be the 37th class inducted into the Shepherd Athletics Hall of Fame, which now is up to 166 inductees which is pretty cool. Now, uh, we'll run through a little bit of their bios here. Schmidt from Chesapeake, Virginia, graduated from Salem High School, he was a four-year standout as a kicker and a punter for the football team between 2003 and 2006. He's got all sorts of Shepard kicking records, including career field goals with 33, kick-scoring kick points with 250, most career extra points 151, most extra points in a season with 50. My goodness, how many are how many are there here? Most consecutive extra points with 60, career extra point percentage he was Basically perfect with a uh, 926 percentage and the single season extra point percentage of, well, 1,000. He was 43 for 43. That's one thing the Rams, I think, are going to need in a big way this year is going to be some kicking. Some kicking. Now, they had some good kicking the last couple of years, but when they had an offense that was going to score a billion points each game. So it didn't matter if uh, you know a kick went errant every once in a while. This year, it's going to be a little bit different, I think. So they're going to really need to, I think, rely on a lot of that special teams. And hopefully, uh, they got a kicker rolling up in their wings. Now, Minnick is from Middleville, Michigan, but graduate of uh, Waynesboro over in Pennsylvania. Four-year standout on the baseball team from 09 to 2012. Minnick was a unanimous NCAA Division II Baseball Player of the Year in 2012. And he uh, topped the Division II ranks and on-base percentage was 645. Slugging percentage of 980. 72 RBIs. My goodness, this guy was a stud. Single season batting average of 487. Come on now. 58 home runs. She she was drafted eighth round, uh 271st overall by the Boston Red Sox uh in that 2012 draft. Now, Richie, Liberty High School graduate from uh, down in Leesburg, Virginia, four year standout on the men's soccer team from 02 to 05. Richie led the Rams to a 50 and 23 record and had the most goals, most Goals in a career at Shepard with 50. Sheesh. And finally, a uh, friend of the program, Coach Klein. He's been on the Ernie McCook Show, which you can tune into every Thursday during football season over on 95.9 The Big Dog. But he's been, as it says here, an instrument. he's been instrumental in the success of the football team as an assistant coach since 2003. He's going to enter his 25th consecutive year as part of the Shepard football program. He's a lineman for the Rams in 98 uh, from '98 to 2002, he's part. He had two conference championship teams. He was uh, captain his senior year, and of course, he's been a, uh, a long time, a long time assistant coach for the Rams. So, shout out to the Fantastic Four being inducted into the Shepherd University Athletics Hall of Fame. You got football player Ricky Schmidt, you got baseball player Nathan Minnick. soccer player Jimmy or J- Jamie Ritchie. And then, of course, longtime assistant football coach Josh Klein. So shout out to all of them. Uh, but you can keep texting me, 304-263-4321. Got another text here uh, saying they won't beat UCF, but they will beat BYU, talking about West Virginia football this year. And I can see that. I can definitely see that. I, and that's why I said with the BYU game, the only thing I think that pushes that in West Virginia's favor is that BYU's got to come all the way over here to West Virginia uh, for that game now if they're West Virginia's going to BYU I'm counting that as a loss but I think they got a shot uh getting them you know at home and it's uh Mountaineer week it's military appreciation day on that game on that Saturday so who knows but yeah I think uh, Cincinnati UCF Pitt and Duquesne really as far as I'm looking at it right now are the only uh past the victory for WVU now unfortunately, well, I hope that's not the case. I hope they run the table and beat Oklahoma State, beat Houston on the road, beat TCU on the road, right? Smash Pitt at home. That'd be the big one. If he, Here's my question for the texters out there. Again, 304-263-4321. If West Virginia does not beat Pitt at home on September 16th, it's going to be a straight stadium. It's going to be packed, 730 game. It's going to be nationally televised on ABC. It's going to be everywhere, right? If West Virginia does not beat Pitt, in that third game of the year, especially if they're potentially coming off a loss against Penn State, and then hopefully coming off a win against Duquesne, I mean, how hot is Neil Brown's seat then? Can't be Pitt two years in a row. In the first two years they played in like 70 years or whatever it is, not that long, like 20 years or whatever. But how hot to seat then? Three zero four two six three four three two one is the text line. Now hit this break and be back with more after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchhoff building. You can get in touch with me. You can text me 304 263 4321. You can tweet me at EP Sports Network. We've been talking about Big 12 Media Day, West Virginia University football, and how they will potentially fare. I do got a text here saying that uh, the Texter thinks. That West Virginia is going to upset Penn State on the road, which if they do that, I think West Virginia might explode if they beat Penn State on the road uh, to start the season. And then, of course, beat Duquesne. But then it all comes down to Pitt. And I believe joining me on the line here is old Parker Stone. What up, Park?
1: What's going on, Jordan? How are you this morning?
3: Good, man. How's your last day of vacation going?
1: Been good so far. Well, the original plan I was gonna go out with the cousins once again and hit the pier early in the morning, but truth be told I tossed and turned a little last night on the uh, makeshift bed we have for me out here. So we uh pull out cot finally got put... you, huh? Yeah, it got me there. Thankfully uh the wife and the girlfriend of my cousins are going a little bit later, so I'll tag along with back with them a little catch up there.
3: Man, I thought you were just gonna try and help the fish get a little day off, a little break. You guys been uh well, hooking all kinds of fish up this week, haven't you?
1: Yeah, my uh, older cousin Alex. He caught a really nice bluefish yesterday. I think I think it was pretty solid. I can't remember how like long it was in length, but it was that was one of the better fish they've got this entire week. Was that big bluefish he got? We got our second Spanish mackerel, and I guess we're rolling out today. I believe I believe I guess today's will be our fish fry at the end of the week. So we'll take whatever meat we got from all the whiting, the bluefish, and the Spanish mackerel we've gotten so far, and make a meal out of it.
3: Well, I'll ask you the question I've been asking the uh, the listeners this morning. Again, we're talking about West Virginia football, Big 12 Media Day. Uh, We've played a ton of audio with Caridi and Neil and a couple of different things where Neil Brown was saying mainly that he's upset and the team's upset about that uh, preseason media poll, right? Now, I'm looking at the schedule, the first four games at Penn State, Duquesne at home, Pitt at home, Texas Tech at home. So, what do you think – if you can look out into the future, into your crystal ball, what's this beginning of the uh, football season look like for WVU?
1: I'd say realistically we're probably looking at two and two in those first four games. I think there's no chance at this point they beat Penn State on the road. Penn State's probably going to be a team ranked in the top ten, just not outside of the top ten for this upcoming season. They're a solid team. They've done great stuff. They're going to try and win a Big Ten title this year. they got to kind of grow the shadow of what has become Michigan and Ohio State dominating the Big Ten right now. I think Penn State on the road week one at Tappy Valley, that place is a top five hardest place to play in college football. It's going to be tough. I think if West Virginia shows they can hang with Penn State, that's a win in my book. But if they get blown out, then maybe we can start raising a cause of concern a little bit. Duquesne should be a gimme game. At my opinion, I think it should be the opposite. We're talking about with Penn State, they should be able to blow out Duquesne and show why some of these players are well, maybe some snubs on some of these teams. I mean, there's great pieces on this West Virginia team. You look at it, It big story's been they're going to return to their roots being a running first football team behind potentially Garrett Green, who's looking like the front runner to win this quarterback job. And then a an great offensive line. You heard Neil Brown say there's over 130 starts combined in these five offensive linemen. Zach Frazier, I think, has a chance to be a perennial All-American type Player in the interior of the offensive line. He's playing center this season, but he's seen time at guard as well. Wyatt Milam, we brought up as a guy who could take the next step. There's good pieces on this offensive line, and TJ Donaldson coming back, I think, it's huge as well. He had a great start to the season. We remember what he did in Pitt, and what was, his, was his coming out party, but now, can he do it again in year two? No Tony Mathis again. Mm-hmm. And he's transferred out you got Justin Johnson, who's going to be probably the number two in this backfield. The uh, speed element, they got to find a true lightning to C.J. Donaldson's thunder in that backfield. And if they can solidify that, the rushing attack for the Mountaineers could be very potent.
3: Well, I got a text here a little bit earlier saying that Neil Brown, he's got to get six wins and a bowl win if he wants to keep his job. You think that's about – well, I'll ask you two questions here. Do you think that's right and also – Do you see six wins in this schedule anywhere? I I find it a little bit tough to find six wins in this schedule. The only win that I could see that could go either way would be BYU just because they got to come all the way to Morgantown. So do you think six wins and a bowl win is what he needs to keep his job? And do you see six wins in this schedule anywhere?
1: I think getting six wins is kind of the benchmark. Now, winning the bowl game, I think, is not going to be a make or break. If they're 6-6 and and make a bowl game, I don't think Neil Brown's job is going to rely on winning this bowl game especially if it's one that's like not of higher prestige of
3: story. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: But I think six wins is kind of the benchmark right now we're looking at. Again, we got to remember that Neil Brown still has a very large contract buyout. It's not what it was last year, but it's still a significant amount. If, if we're talking this time next year and he's still head coach, then yes, I think there's a realistic possibility that that buyout could be reached. He could be let go at the end of the 2024 season. But – Again, you look at that schedule, it's one of the toughest in the nation. West Virginia <laughs> yeah. puts themselves in a tough spot. They're playing teams like Pittsburgh. They're playing teams like a Penn State out of conference. Those, those are tough games to tell by. Last year they played Virginia Tech on the road. They were able to get the win there, but I know Virginia Tech's rebuilding. They were able to play Pitt on the road. Last year was a really tough schedule, and you think about it, too, a lot of bad bounces with Mountaineers' way. I think Texas Tech is down. I think Cincinnati is going to be the worst team in the conference, in mm-hmm. my opinion. They lose their head coach and Luke Fickle; he's going to Wisconsin. They've lost some pieces on that team over the years with guys like Desmond Ritter, Sauce Gardner, Alec Pearson, the like. I think Cincinnati's going to be the worst team in the conference, and I don't think that's being talked about enough. They're bringing in a first-year head coach as well. I think there's six wins there potentially. You got to get Duquesne. You got to get Pitt at home. You got to get, you got to really start. If we're going to talk six wins, they need mm-hmm. to get to a three and one start that's the silver lining with it you got to be able to beat texas tech at home because we remember last year we had a full meltdown they got embarrassed against texas tech on the road and I yep. think that's when everything really started to implode and mountaineer fans were calling for the head of neil brown after that point but there's there's certain things that have to go their way oklahoma's going to be rebuilding and tough they're going to be better under Brett venables this next year texas is going to be tough they've got arguably some really great weapons. Xavier Worthy at wide receiver is going to be fantastic for him. Baylor's a team that's a question mark. You can maybe get Baylor, maybe not. And the Mountaineers got him last year. How good are they going to be after two years ago winning the Big 12? And Kansas State, I think, right now is one of those teams where they're in that class with Oklahoma and Texas right now, as well as Kansas, I think, is a dark horse as well. It, it all depends on how the Mountaineers match up. If there's bad run defense, I guess maybe a team like an Oklahoma State, if they have bad run defense later in the season. They can pull off the win there. It's realistic. They pulled off some upsets against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State at the end of last year. You heard Neil Brown talk about it. There's there's potential to get the six wins, I think.
3: Well, at least, I, mean, I keep looking at the schedule. I mean, it. the more I look at it, the tougher it gets. But their road schedule, I mean, all in all, not too bad. I mean, at Oklahoma is brutal. At Penn State is brutal. But... I mean, at TCU, I mean, that's not necessarily – they're going to be down, I think, a little bit this year. I think there's going to be a pretty significant drop-off from, of course, their season from last year, not having Duggins and things like that. At UCF, I think they beat them on the road. But all in all, the big games, they get those teams at home, which I think fares, of course, in the Mountaineers' favor.
1: Yeah, that's going to be great, getting those teams at home again this year. You mentioned TCU. No Max Duggan. He was the Maxwell Award winner this past year. Quentin Johnson was the first-round wide receiver. Steve Avila was a first-round talent at offensive lineman. Those are, they had a lot of really great pieces on that team, and they're taking a step back, I think, this next year. They're, the way their schedule falls, yeah, I think it's going to help getting some teams at home. Going at Norman's going to be tough against Oklahoma. He's got to go on the road to Lawrence, Kansas, this year to take on the Jayhawks, which a lot of people think they're going to be at least solid this year. Jalen Daniels from Kansas, their quarterback, was named Big 12 preseason offensive player of the year. So, you got to find a way to stop Kansas. I know that's when kind of people we were kind of discounting Kansas at that time when the Mountaineers lost to them early in the season saying, well, season's over. We're well, the worst team in the Big 12 Cancel the season. But I, I think now people are realizing Kansas is better than what we thought they were at this time last year. I mean, it, it just speaks to the level of the Big 12 conference as well. There's lots of people saying, oh, The Big 12 won't be a thing in three to four years. No, it's very much a solid conference right now. There are a lot of great things. People are worrying about Texas and Oklahoma leaving. A question was asked to Yorkman, the commissioner of the Big 12, saying, are you going to worry a little bit because Texas and Oklahoma are the big name brands and a lot of recruiting goes that way. He just said bluntly, no, they haven't been in our championship game in the past couple seasons, so I'm not too worried about it. So, I mean, there's a lot of quality in the Big 12 right now. There's still potential as well. More people are worried about the Pac-12, I think, is Mm -hmm. what the real question should be. USC and UCLA are leaving, and then what's going to be making of those other teams? You've got Colorado, you've got San Diego State, who's had kind of their debacle between the Mountain West and the Pac-12 and doing whatever they want to do out that way. There's a lot of question marks, but I think the Big 12 overall right now, it's a really tough conference. These new schools being added, I think it's going to be a lot of fun seeing how the Mountaineers match up against BYU, which, again, I think that's a very winnable game. They lost a couple of key pieces last year. Jaron Hall, their quarterback, was solid for them. And then Houston, I think the Houston game is going to be a big telltale sign as well because they lose their quarterback. They lose Tank Dell, who was a top three-round draft pick at wide receiver. That game's going to be fun. And, of course, we've got the storyline of Dana Holgerson matching up back with the Mountaineers once again, which will be a fun one as well.
3: We hmm. can text us 304-263-4321. they got 50 days, 10 hours to get it all figured out. And we got 50 days and 10 hours to continue to break it all down and hopefully figure out a way for the Mountaineers to, uh, well, get to that mountain top that they've been trying to get to. They've been trusting the climb for long enough now, right, Park? I mean, it's, hopefully they get to the top of the mountain at some point.
1: Yeah, I hope so, too, and for as much as I've chastised him on the show, I'm really rooting for Neil Brown. I was hoping for him to get this job whenever he was coming out of Troy and the Mountaineers were looking for a new coach after post-Dana Olgerson. I'm really hoping for him. I want him to just succeed at this job, and I want him to do well. He's a great person, great recruiter from what it seems. It seems like now he's just got to find a way to put the pieces together, and I and I hope, again, he's going to be able to – get that six wins, get to a bowl game this season, at least buy himself another year to really form this team the way he wants it to. Mm-hmm. And mainly, I think, again, what's going to make or break this team is going to be the quarterback play because we saw last year expectations were high with JT Daniels coming in and he was a bust at the quarterback spot. Now, what's going to be making of this? Is it going to be Garrett Green's team and they're going to be a run first team with the ability to pass? Or are we going to see the sophomore Nico Marquial out there, which, again, it kinda it kinda goes down between experience or do you want to gamble your risk on a youth. I think that's, and also with the Mountaineers season if they're going to be a team that isn't living up to expectations about halfway through, I wouldn't hate the idea of starting Nico all the rest of the season and seeing what you got in it if that's the case.
3: Yeah, I don't see why not. Get the uh, get the young cats out there to see what they can do. But uh, again, this is your last day on vacation. So have you been able to uh, sleep in at all, or have you gotten sucked into the radio lifestyle enough to where now you just can't sleep in no matter what day it is or where you're at?
1: Now, a couple of days I have been able to, of course, I've had to remind myself to wake up in the morning and send my uh, Parker's Picks updates from that point. <laughs> but other than that, other than that, I mean, I've slept pretty good for the most part. Usually most mornings I'm up before seven. I've slept to about seven thirty, about a quarter to eight most mornings so far. So it's, it's been fun, but, yeah, it's been a good beach trip. Excited to get back on Monday, have the full crew back in. We'll be digging back into it. It'll be fun.
3: For sure. Well, Park, we'll be getting your picks here in a few minutes, but I appreciate you calling in this morning.
1: Absolutely. It's a pleasure as always. All
3: right, man. Have a good last uh, day vacation. Have a safe trip back.
1: Sounds good. We'll see you then.
3: All right, buddy. See ya. See ya. Again, that's Parker Stone from the beach calling in. And uh, as I look at uh, the text... 304 263 4321. Got a text uh, from the Marsha Gvalik saying the UCF bounce house is pretty intimidating. So, do you think if UCF beats West Virginia, is that their worst loss of the year? As I'm trying to get Marsha all fired up and she's running into the studio now to voice her UCF opinion. So, what do you think, Marsha? Do you think if West Virginia beats or if UCF beats West Virginia, then that's just a, a lost season for the Mountaineers?
5: UCF, but I think UCF could beat them pretty easily. I mean, you you go down, you you travel to Orlando. It's hot. The bounce house is very energized. Right. That's that's tough.
3: And then again, tell people why you're on the UCF UCF side.
5: Well, I'm married to an alum. (laughs) My daughter is an alum. Yeah. And and I've been at that stadium during games and oof oof. What's their mascot? It's a knight.
3: That's right, the knights. That's right. Well, uh, and that's the question mark, I think, too, is that they got to travel down there. Like me and Park were saying, I mean, they don't have to go on the road for too many tough games. I mean, Penn State's start season is mm-hmm. brutal going to Oklahoma at the end of the season and then the final game of the season at Baylor. But, you know, get a lot of these tough teams having to travel across the country to come to Morgantown this year, which is nice.
5: I mean, we might be at that Orlando game.
3: Ooh, you can make the trip down? Maybe. We'll try I mean, and get I, your press passes and you can get an... some interviews for us.
5: You you want to make it a working trip? <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm like Parker. I I'm rooting for WVU. Mm-hmm. I want them to win, same. but but I don't think you can just discount. I know UCF has has been building too.
3: Well, they're just the, they're the newcomers, right? So they're the kind of low hanging fruit. Them in Cincinnati, kind of the same way.
5: They're tough though. Yeah, they're knights. They're knights. They're knights. Charge on.
3: You can text me, 304-263-4321. Thanks for coming in, Marsha. Of course, you can uh, uh, catch up with me and Marsha here in a little bit on Panhandle Live here in about, well, 15 minutes or so. But text me, 304-263-4321. Get to this final break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little Orioles baseball because they are back in action after the All-Star break. First pitch, 705 at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, Marlins. Coming to town, You can catch that first pitch right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. And look, I'm not an Orioles fan. I'll, say, I'll tell you straight up, I'm a Nats fan as I look at the 2019 World Champions banner right here. Oh, such a pretty sight to see. But I hope, I hope that this Orioles team, and I think they're built a little bit different than past Orioles teams. Actually, a lot different than past Orioles teams that have gotten to the all-star break and been competitive, been good. And then the collapse has happened. Now, do I think it's going to happen with this team? I hope not. But sitting at 54 and 35 to start the second half is a pretty good way to start. So text me 304-263-4321. We'll step aside, come back, get Parker's picks, and talk Orioles baseball on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network.
0: It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network.
3: Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Parker and Luke will be back on Monday. But with that being said, let's get into a Friday's edition of Parker's Picks. Well, they say
4: all good things must come to an end, and it is the final edition of Beach Parker's Picks for the week. I've enjoyed giving it to you. We went one for three yesterday. Only win we got was the Kings able to pull out the victory in their summer league game. Sadly, Jake Stevens wasn't able to play in that game, but the Kings get the win. Going into today's action, baseball is back. It's the second half, and well, a lot of stuff could happen. It's going to be crazy. Today's lock for me is going to be the Orioles getting the win over the Marlins. Sandy Alcantara's really struggled this season. I've been saying on the show, I hope he gets it back together. It's good when he's pitching good. But the Orioles are looking good. Good capitalizing on the All-Star break, beating a team like the Marlins, who really could be susceptible to a second-half collapse, I think, especially with teams like the Phillies. Maybe the Mets have a second-half resurgence. I think the Orioles get the win today, and that is today's lock of the day. I'm also going with today – Going with the Red Sox to get the win against the Cubs. I think Brian Bayo is going to be one of those emerging pitchers in baseball that are going to be pretty good. I think them going into Wrigley getting the win on the road is going to be really important. Also, the Mariners get the win over the Tigers today. Talked about the Marlins being a team having a second half collapse. I think the Mariners are going to be a team that are going to be a lot better in the second half too. And plus you got Luis Castillo on the mound, who's been playing great this season. I'm taking the Mariners to get the win. So today's lock again is the O's beating the Marlins, the Red Sox going on the road and toppling the Cubs. And then we've got the Mariners beating the Tigers.
3: There's your Friday edition of Parker's Picks. Take that to the bank and see if you can make a little money with it this uh, afternoon and into the weekend. But speaking of the Orioles, of course, they played today at 7.05 or this evening at 7.05 uh, against the Marlins. You can catch that right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. And is it is it too early is it too early to start talking the Orioles going to the world series? Is that crazy? Some people are thinking it's crazy. I mean, at 54 and 35 right now, they're coming off a five game win streak to end the first half. Probably one of the hottest teams in baseball in that first half. So do you think they have an opportunity for a world series? Now I'm looking through uh, ESPN here and they have a listing of a lot of the uh, different odds and things like that. Now, They say here that the uh, divisional title, pennant uh, odds for the Orioles are 12%. Playoff odds at 84%, but their World Series odds are at 3%. Now, I think a lot of these uh, experts and things, whatever you want to call them, are looking back at previous years of the Orioles where they've had great starts and then the uh, second half has usually been a little bit of a disappointment. But you look at how this... How this Orioles team is constructed, especially with the pitching, and we've talked about uh, here on Panhandle Sports Live a lot. How they need, we think, to get one more kind of middle reliever arm, right, to uh, get that transition from the good starting pitching into Felix Bautista, which will shut anybody down. If they can, they can get through that. I think they're going to be all right. But of course, they got all the young hitters out there. You know, they got Austin Hayes, Santander, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman. I mean, I think they got a. I think they got a. I mean, I don't want to say a pretty good shot of getting to the World Series, of course, but I think they make it to the playoffs. What do you think? Uh, 304-263-4321. They also have a list here of the most likely 2023 World Series matchups, and the most likely, as of uh, right now on ESPN, uh, 14.8% odds of the Rays and the Braves in the World Series, but with a 3.3% the Orioles and the Braves uh, in the World Series. How do you think they would uh, match up? And also... How do you think the city of Baltimore would handle the Orioles in a World Series? I was living down there uh, when the last time they made a big playoff run. What was that, 2013, 14? I remember I was on the radio playing music uh, on the radio, and we weren't allowed to play uh, "Lord the Royals song. Because they're playing the Kansas City Royals in the playoffs and they banned that song throughout the whole city. So uh, I made sure to play that at least once to get a lot of people, uh, you know, calling me and fired up and whatnot. But Orioles Braves, 3% chance at a World Series matchup. Who knows? Who knows? Time will tell. Time will tell. And also, real quick, while I still got the chance, Northwestern, their athletic program is in as much turmoil as uh, <laughs> Mountaineer athletics are right now, but arguably worse because another of bullying allegations has come out uh, from Northwestern, this time from the baseball side of things. They fired their head coach, Jim Foster, after some of these uh, bullying allegations, and I was looking here uh, that the document that was shared with the athletic department and whatnot, uh, they're taking remedial actions, and uh, it said that Foster, they found evidence that head coach for the baseball team, Foster, quote, engaged in bullying and abusive behavior, according to a document obtained by the Chicago Tribune uh, to make an inappropriate comment about a female staff member. Players were hiding injuries. He wasn't letting players get treatment for injuries. I mm. mean, for baseball, that's one thing. I, I remember, gosh, I remember playing college baseball and having to eat like 30 ibuprofen just so my arm didn't hurt. <laughs> I could go out and throw and play and whatnot. So, I mean, that comes with the territory. But if a coach is refusing players to get treatment, that's, that's another thing. So, it's been a tough, man, we say it's been a tough couple of months for uh, West Virginia Athletics. It's been a tough couple of weeks for Northwestern Athletics. But I just about does it for me today here on Panhandle Sports Live. You can always get in touch with me. You can text me 304-263-4321. You can uh, tweet me at EP Sports Network. Of course, we've got Panhandle Live coming up here in just a little bit. But uh, what do you got planned for the weekend? Kind of a weird air, weird time with sports. I mean, the only sports that I'm going to be super paying attention to, of course, baseball with the Orioles baseball starting at 7 o'clock tonight. We've got Tour de France going on right now. They got 83 kilometers. What's that? Uh, Forty some miles, I think, until uh, they get to the top of the Grand Columbia on Bastille Day. There's probably going to be four million people, literally four million people on the side of the road once they get up there uh, to the top of the Grand Columbia. But yeah, if you're looking for something to watch, go ahead and turn that on. It's on Peacock, and then get you uh, get you something to watch. But that does it for me here on Payne Handle Sports Live. Mistake show. this back to it a little bit later on. Have a great weekend. Payne Handle Live is next. Talk to y'all. Talk to y'all then.